0: Welcome to the Butterfly Effect Studio. I'm your host, Christian Rebenig. As you know, based on the chaos theory, small things can have a big impact. And the goal of this session is to uncover how leaders, changemakers developed their purpose, their competences, and their community to have a great positive impact. Every of the episode is packed full of ideas you can apply to your own life. In this conversation, I'm speaking to Bennett Bart, Managing Director at the Respond Accelerator. is work dedicated to embed sustainability at the heart of innovation and investments. Great to have you in the studio.
1: Hi, good to be here, Christian. Bennett,
0: tell us a little bit more about your motivation. What has driven you in the past years, actually? Um,
1: what is the roots sure. of your purpose? Sure, so I think, um, I always struggle to sort of refer back to that red thread in my life because I don't think I have figured it out ever so clearly what that would be. But I know for myself that my motivation very much comes from working with inspiring people and uh, really trying to support their cause in embedding sustainability or developing new solutions that drive the sustainability on our planet and with that i'm focusing when i say sustainability i'm I'm not only focusing on the environmental components but i also believe that also on the social and cultural side of things or societal side of things we need to have an understanding of what sustainability is uh, and how to get there eventually
0: looking back on your achievements what are you
1: most proud of Well, there is a number of things, um, to be honest, I would say one of the most amazing times in my professional career was actually right out of the gates of university when I started at a small startup at the time in Portugal, where I chose to live and, and study at the time. The company was called Maze and it was very much one of the pioneers in the social innovation space in Europe and particularly Mm -hmm. also in Portugal. And one of the things we did with Maze was to put together an impact venture capital firm that went on to raise um, by now almost 60 million euros in in venture capital money from different LPs, both private investors and high net worth individuals, but also institutional investors such as the European Mm -hmm. Investment Fund. And for me coming right out of university, going through the journey of putting together the value proposition for for a venture capital fund to go through the fundraising process and uh, dig into the the, the very first deals and the diligence as we did at the time was I think one of the the most uh, amazing experiences. And then also carrying sort of those experiences and those insights onwards into my next steps and in, in the career, I think my focus has sharpened into working with entrepreneurs and uh, supporting them be it through capital or be, be it through network or capacity building modules and sessions and really helping them succeed on their impact mission that they're on. Mm-hmm. And why is your focus shifted to entrepreneurs? Well, I think I'm, so. my background in my family. I come from a very entrepreneurial mindset. My dad used to be an entrepreneur in, in the real estate business. Um, and he actually was a very successful entrepreneur by being a very social entrepreneur at the same time. So what he focused on in, in his real estate work was actually, um, a lot of, uh, social housing, um, projects, for example, or. You know just in general very friendly and very humane terms in which he would handle um those that rent his apartments, the, the tenants and and just overall project development in itself and by being very socially minded and a very fair um, real estate owner if you will he also managed to be ex- exceptionally um, successful so he had a very good reputation Um, both the city government uh, as well as property owners were very happy to work with my dad for for this reason. So Mm -hmm. I think my sort of my ingrained um, ways of working or my ingrained motivation really comes from that social entrepreneurship side of things. Then during my my studies, I I also peered into development cooperation, for example, as a way to... um, improve living conditions across the globe. But I I also noticed that probably working with government or government agencies doesn't really match my temper or the pace that I like to work on and like to work with. Hence the shift to, again, the shift to the entrepreneurship world is where the energy uh, really sort of gets to me.
0: So that's totally relatable to me. um, you i think the interactivity on actually and the interaction how you can actually pursue this kind of impact you have is a uh, high dynamic but you talked already about the competence you um, admired in your father um, but also about social entrepreneurship and the, the relevant um, skills there let's talk a little bit more about that what do you think are the the important competences actually um, to be a successful entrepreneur um, to actually have a positive impact what i well, from your perspective, maybe from, from your own side, what has, has helped
1: you the most. I love the question, Christian. And I think it is, it is one that needs a twofold answer because I think the skills that you need to be a successful entrepreneur is mm-hmm. very different to the skills that you need to be a successful impact entrepreneur. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I believe that the ecosystem, the environment that we operate in still very much, values sort of a traditional framing, a traditional understanding of what success in entrepreneurship is. And if you look around with sort of the latest news around Adam Newman, for example, and how he uh, got funding for his new venture, etc., I think this, this just goes to underline the fact that there is different definitions of success out there. So, Answering the first part of the question, to be a successful entrepreneur, I think you need an incredible amount of drive. You need an incredible amount of um, willingness to fail and learn and to move beyond failure and and literally learn from it and implement the learnings and iterate, iterate fast. Um, And eventually I also think you need to feel when it's the right time for you as an entrepreneur sort of to delegate some of the things that you, know, you start working on as a solo founder as a small founding team you need to hit the sweet spot of when is the right time to let go of certain things and bring in new people that are actually smarter than given it i think that moving beyond your ego is actually one of the, yeah. the challenges that, that come up on the way um and there is i mean. There is actually tons of research also about what makes a great entrepreneur, etc. What there isn't so much research about is what makes a great impact entrepreneur. And I think here, because it is a fairly emergent space still, the yeah. definitions or the requirements or the success factors of a successful impact entrepreneur are still kind of murky and, you know, um, more anecdotal perhaps than than in the space of the traditional entrepreneurship. From my point of view, one of the core competencies or core skills of an impact entrepreneur is um, the way we think about systems. Now, traditionally, we come from a very mechanistic, simplistic kind of worldview, sort of A triggers B, and that triggers C, etc. And for successful impact entrepreneurs the ability to understand systems as a complex and even living so dynamic sort of structure where you need to look far beyond sort of the immediate repercussions of your action into different shareholder groups or different stakeholder groups or different communities or along the entire process of the value chain of the product that you're producing for example it is it, seeing and acting upon those kind of interconnectednesses in between, if you will, to, to really be able to make sure that the impact that you're intending to have is actually going to happen in the way that you want it. So literally embracing the complexity of systems, I think is a, is a core competence. And of course, of course, this is hard. And of course, this makes it more difficult to understand what is actually happening or to understand how your supply chain will actually play out in your business, etc. And the second skill that I would say is key for impact entrepreneurs is to be okay with their complexity and is to be okay to be living in an environment of um, you know, volatility, ambiguity, uncertainty, etc. And, you know, coming up with a mindset that is able to cope with those challenges, challenges and, and complexities is in the end of the day, a difficult task. So if you, if you look around in the entrepreneurship space, uh, and especially in fact entrepreneurs, they're, um, incredibly at risk of, um, mental health sort of stresses and, and struggles because of that ambiguity and because of that volatility and um, yes. coming up with a sort of uh, the notion of resilience as an impact entrepreneur and dealing with that and resilience, not in a form of resistance, but really embracing it. Uh, I think is, is at least from my point of view, the second core competence of, of impact entrepreneurs.
0: Love that. Thank you very much. I think that's very interesting actually putting those two things um actually there are different skills that especially at it's it, it sounds like more demanding to be an inter- impact entrepreneur <laughs> in your words. Um who would be a, if you a can you give an example of great impact imp- entrepreneurs who are doing with like um are role models eventually in that space? Um,
1: I mean there is uh, so many great entrepreneurs out there that are doing amazing things and um, one of the businesses I personally like a lot, for example, and I, I use actually every day is um, the Tomorrow Bank. So it's, the name is actually very similar to, to you guys. Um, Tomorrow Bank just enables sustainable banking or a sustainable use of your savings and bank accounts. Um, and what I like about them is just how explicit they also are, besides having a great product, how explicit they are in communicating about the things they do in talking about the, the company culture that they've built with just a new understanding and embracing, again, embracing the complexity of the new work age and allowing for more flexibility for their staff to take days off if they mentally don't feel ready for it or for other reasons, think they need time. It's just a, a company built around people. Uh, and that I think is is what, what excites me a lot okay. about uh, tomorrow bank now through my work now at the Respond program i get to work every year with um, 10 entrepreneurs from across the globe so this year we have startups literally from chile all the way to hong kong that, that join the the accelerator program and i mean obviously by nature of the selection process i mean i'm a big fan of all of these startups um and i, I totally root for them and the success in the future but the beauty for me in working with the entrepreneurs is really that throughout the program over the six months that we work with the entrepreneurs we place a very strong focus on leadership development and this touches exactly upon what we've discussing earlier developing the the skill sets to navigate this uncertainty and to embrace ambiguity to find sources of you know, energy for the entrepreneurs to come up with that resilience that is needed for them to build their businesses. So this is the the journey that I'm on. And it's, it's been incredibly rewarding uh, in that sense. That's an
0: amazing point. And the, you mentioned we, well, you're a fan of those 10 startups, which I totally relate to, um, but how do you select them or let's put it differently? How do you select the people, the, the founders behind there? What are you looking in actually, what kind of founder? competencies, mindset are you looking for?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great question because the selection process tries to accomplish both for us. So typically we get to see, uh, so we scout, actively scout around one and a half to 2,000 startups every year across the globe, mm-hmm. of which we receive on average, I would say around 500 applications and in the end, 10 startups make it to the program. So you can, you can already see it's a highly, highly selective process that the entrepreneurs go through in applying for the response program and in that process we do two things we look at the impact potential and how it's coupled to a business model so we would try to understand for every applying startup what is the problem they're trying to address what are the communities and stakeholders involved in that problem framing and critically of course, how is the proposed solution going to address these challenges? Now, given that RESPOND is embedded by the BMW Foundation and it's carried by philanthropic money, we also have the flexibility to work with solutions that are not the straightforward venture capital cases like other accelerated programs would do. But we actually have the freedom to also work with nonprofit organizations or with Perhaps impact business models that just foreseeably take longer to take root and to scale. And um, this, in the end of the day, means that our set of criteria is not a rigid, fixed list of things that we need to check off, but it's a case by case analysis where, as I mentioned, the first element would be what is the impact and business case to it. And the second element for us is obviously, as you're as you're saying, is there a founder fit to what we are going to uh, provide in the Accelerator program? So, as I mentioned, the Accelerator is very much geared towards leadership development topics. Things we talk about, for example, is mental health for entrepreneurs. We talk about building teams. Um, We talk about organizational structures and governance that maybe different to the conventional mm-hmm. VC model.
0: How much of the uh, skills and competence you mentioned before, do they need to bring already to, the, um, to, the, to your uh, program? So how much do they need to have developed their drive, their iteration capabilities, systemical thinking, and how do you assess that as well? So if you say that's relevant, do you assess it actually? Is this something you um, try to figure out?
1: It's definitely something we try to figure out. Uh, mm. I wouldn't go as far as saying we have uh, completely solved how to really, you know, measure for it and, and screen for it properly. But there are things and questions that we ask, such as um, questions around the, the startups or the um diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. Mm-hmm. And from reading just a few sentences about it from the entrepreneurs, um, you get a pretty good sense whether or not this is something that has crossed their minds, whether or not this is something that they would like to work on. If there are questions related to it, they think they solved it in the end of the day, I think the tone of voice of, you know, the entrepreneur reading through the application form, then on the phone call with the entrepreneurs, you you get to sense how much of their motivation is driven by, you know, being part of an accelerator program that comes with a strong brand and strong backing versus how much of the motivation comes from the, uh, the you know, being keen to work on those challenges. And to answer your the other question, if this is a prerequisite into the program, I would say no. Um, simply, simply for the fact that we also don't know all the answers. Like there is no mm-hmm. starting and no end point to build your resilience, if you will. Mm-hmm. But what we do want to see is as I mentioned, the, the drive and the interest to be working on those topics and engaging in leadership development and the understanding but the believe that working on leadership is arguably one of the key drivers of success in this topic.
0: Okay, amazing,
1: thank you. So um,
0: one of the things what you say, it's really important that they have the right purpose, the right motivation, which they bring in, and then they, um, as well uh, that they, they, have the, they have the curiosity um, to actually learn, um, and, um, embrace what is happening. Um, and well, um, if, if, and if you look to the people, actually you personally surround yourself with, um, maybe in the team, um, what would you say is for you the most important, actually, um, skills you're looking there? Um,
1: it's a great question. Um, so overall in my team, I, try to put a lot of emphasis on just a a good and friendly climate among us Um, Mm -hmm. so this comes with um, a lot of openness um, being willing and being able to articulate you know worries or feelings or situations from your private life for example where they could play a role in your sort of day-to-day work Act at work so just being open and mindful to those kind of feelings or situations in the work environment is something that I highly value in our team and that I would uh, so like to encourage going forward with with new team members which I think in the end of the day is very much a mindset thing it's not necessarily a skill set when it comes to, to skill sets, The things that, I mean, we working with entrepreneurs and very much working in a sort of emergent space overall, I think all of us on the team need to bring this entrepreneurial creativity and drive ourselves to the tables. Um, I'm uh, incredibly happy to be working with folks on my team that are all keen to build new things and try out new stuff and that are not afraid of trying things Learning from them and then iterating in, in the next step, and obviously again being backed by philanthropic money by right, the BMW Foundation, we are able to, um, you know, go a, a little bit wild, probably more wild than the, the standard for-profit uh, organization with investors, etc., would be able to do. And it is exactly this sort of playful openness uh, and curiosity that. that definitely I think needs to be a core element of our work and our people. Oh, it sounds,
0: it sounds really great because especially I think the divide, that's how you describe it, It's a more innovative environment for that purpose and therefore, um, increase the chances of actually creating something outstanding. Um, and talking about, a little bit more about who you are, so who are you actually building up in your community? Um, who are the people which helped your um, you in, the, in your career actually the most? Um, what are the people you're relying on? Um,
1: sure. Um, so I think the, as I said, I think a very entrepreneurial father, first of all, as a starting point in my career, and I still go back to my dad to discuss sort of work related things and sort of brainstorm about next steps or, um, talk about ideas. And he actually challenges me a lot because he's, you know, he's been one of the, mm-hmm. how do you call it? Mm-hmm. Them? The, um, demonstrators in front of the uh, nuclear power plants in Germany and sort of blocking the railways and cargo transports, etc. So he has been on the activist side of things. And now still engages in politics, and he actually likes to challenge me the most. Whether or not the impact that I have in the entrepreneurship space is really where the change is going to happen, or whether it's going to come from the political side of things, and that actually I like that. I like those discussions, and I like that challenging because it really brings you back to the question: Where do you achieve the most impacts? Possible with the time you have, and I, I, I just love that setting because it gets your priorities back in order, it gets your focus back in order, and it just helps you concentrate on the things that that
0: really are. crazy so goosebumps. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all need to have somebody who is challenging us on our purpose. Are we doing the doing enough? Are we, are we consistent with our our purpose, action, and motivation? Um, and that's exciting. I think to have somebody like that actually on your side and obviously challenging you.
1: Um, Absolutely. And he is relentless. Like he, he wouldn't, he would never <laughs> stop. <changing.
0: laughs> um, and um, let, let's, let's take it the other way around, who do you think you have helped, had the chance to help most? Um, and in what way?
1: That's a great question. Um, I mean, I'm, I consider myself very much on a leadership journey myself, right? So a lot of those leadership, things that we talk about, I, I will consider myself being far away from having solved all of this and having implemented everything perfectly. Now, the entire accelerator program really is built around a very, let's um, say, personal relationship. So I would say the, the key priority for me, even in the accelerator program, is that after those six months of acceleration, we walk away with, of course, ventures that are in a better place to scale and are more equipped to grow and all of this. But we also walk away with a sense of community and a sense of its supporting community. So actually a lot of time in the accelerator program is just spent around building the social tissue between the entrepreneurs in the program also, of course, us as a team. And I would hope that some of those friendships now that have emerged and some of those sparing sessions and discussions, mm-hmm. I would have been able to add here and there to some of the entrepreneurs that, that we've been working with. And obviously also to my team, I, you know, as much as I can, I try to, um, make myself obsolete if you will. So I'm, I'm always driven by empowering my team to do the job better than I would do it. And, um, it, it, I guess it comes with a few tough conversations. It comes with a bit of cold water here and there, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's definitely what I strive for. And I hope, I hope in the best way possible that I can to, you know, provide a growth environment for the people that I work with on their, on their journeys.
0: Yeah. Um, um, amazing. Yeah. Um, so you help your team, um, to outgrow themselves, which is, I think really important, um, on all of us, I think, um, to be actually have people who are supporting us. Um, if you're looking back, maybe one step to your, when you started, started to study, when you finished school, eventually, um, if you mm-hmm. look back, um, what advice would you give yourself, um, to your younger
1: self? today oh my god don't worry <laughs> 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 I mean after school I really had no idea what I wanted to do whatsoever um, and eventually I, I ended up to talking to different like I don't know how you call them you know, almost like a career advisor for your sort of next steps yeah. university degrees etc. And I went there and the feedback was, I should study medicine. I should become a doctor. It's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> the, the only takeaway I had from this was that it was totally not me um, being mm-hmm. a doctor because I don't know, it never really resonated and I couldn't even tell you why exactly, but it never resonated and it still doesn't. But what came out of the conversation was that my sort of numerical mindset and the analytical mindset was very, very strong. And that led me to eventually studying engineering, but actually for engineering, the same thing happened. I was like, no, I don't want to be an engineer. Um, so I felt like I needed to mix it up a little bit and ended up studying engineering and management at the same time, which now looking back, I think was a a sort of great, groundwork basis for everything that happened afterwards, but still like engineering in itself or engineering and management in itself, isn't something that, you know, or has resonated with me at the time. Um, So I ended up really during, during my degree to do a bunch of different things and explore different modules in that, in that class. In, in the end of my bachelor's degree, I, for whatever reason, I had sort of an overweight into economics courses that I took voluntarily on the side. Mm-hmm. And, and I you know, had a thing for just working through economics and doing the math behind it, etc. So in my master's program, I decided to really focus on economics and decided to do that not at a, university in Berlin where I was for my bachelor's program, but I decided to go to Portugal because there is a, a business school that teaches economics in a very applied kind of thing. So it does a lot of, you know, working with numbers, statistics, formulas, Excel tools, and all of that um, to really give them, as I said, this applied sense of economics versus a more philosophical you know, side of economics that is part of many of the university degrees in Germany for example so I think this applied kind of mindset to things really helped me um, in my master's program to understand that uh, you know, building things and building models rather than just studying theory is doing it yourself kind of Was I think a very empowering moment in my entrepreneurial sort of drive and energy because for the first time it was moving away from calculating how an existing engine would work or moving away from studying a theory that some guy a thousand years ago developed. Yeah. Into sort of coming up with your own views, your own worldviews, if you will, your own models to describe it. I think that was like an aha moment for me too then move into entrepreneurship more. In
0: so it was really something you figured out just by exploring, um, and testing it, what resonates and then de- deepening your, your interest, literally very resonated.
1: Yeah. Um, very you, intuitively, very, though, really intuitively yeah. interesting. Like I, looking back at my, at my studies, I think I never had the feeling of, ah, this is the right, the, like the, the perfect next step. This is what I'm going to do because it makes so much sense. Now, looking back, I think it's more evident that a lot of it has been you know, guided by exploration and intuition, and it worked out very well, luckily, um, but it's, at, at no point really in my studies did I have a feeling of, oh, wow, this is, this is not the right thing to do because I really felt it. And this is also why I'm so excited to see sort of new concepts around learning and studying to come up now in this world, because I think, you know, it's, some of the things are you know, not made for everyone. And we, need, we need to cater to different personalities and different mindsets and to different challenges in the world, frankly, nowadays than a couple of years ago. Um, so we need to rethink our learning and how we study this world.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think what you, what you mentioned with applied learning, that you have something where you do not just in theory, work something out, but actually see also how this may apply is one of the key things, I think to have this kind of satisfaction, um, and see what it actually does. Um, the, if you have, we have students in bachelor programs and master programs, um, interdisciplinary learning on, um, on real world challenges, um, they all come in with a purpose. Um, they figure it out. And I think purpose is nothing which is set in stone. And then you, you know, you literally, um, follow it for your whole life, but it's something you're iterating also on, it's not just, um, it's not just how you get there, but literally also what you actually pursuing is something you, you learn out. What would you, is there any advice you would like to give them anything? I uh, say, Hey, um, this is something you should consider. Maybe talking about the mindset, um, You mentioned a lot of things actually for impact entrepreneurs, which are relevant. Yeah, Um.
1: Mm. it's a good question. I I don't think there is much advice that I would be able to give around finding your purpose. But what I would say is that, just as you were saying, Christian, it's it is nothing you set into stone. Right, decisions take today and may seem huge and, and large, but if, you know, a few weeks, a few months, a few years in, there's uh, new crossroads and new pathways to those that wouldn't. Uh, my advice would be, again, to not worry too much, um, mm-hmm. but also, you know, follow the intuition, <laughs> the intuition that you have and acknowledge that a lot of this is work in progress and it will always be it will always, your environment will change, you will change, your values will change, the things that are important in your life will change, and with it, your purpose. Um, It is totally fine to understand purpose as a snapshot, as a point in time, um, and no need to worry to find something that is going to stick with you for the rest of your life.
0: I think what you say is... um... Not worrying, but I think this process of self-reflection, um, listen to your own uh, feelings. I think is very important, and I would even say that's a competence which is uh, eventually required nowadays. And um, which, it's as you, I think, described, you sound like you're very self-fulfilled, and I think this is what it becomes. And by this kind of self-fulfilling, I think you're becoming also more impact, impactful as a logical consequence out of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and maybe one more more word because you mentioned also the topic resilience as a more important, more and more important skill. Um, I think uh, coming up, yeah? um, because of the complexity, and you mentioned also this kind of environment we're in. Um, what's your thought? and you 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 mentioned you're also um you're also helping leaders to become more resilient. Um, maybe you can give us more one more two. Do pre- apply any practice for yourself uh, to be resilient?
1: Uh, yes, I do. The answer is yes, and um, there is also great research actually done by an organization called the Resilience Institute, based in Switzerland, that do um, quantitative analysis over what resilience actually means in leadership positions. And part of their research or their findings is obviously, and it's probably no surprise that your habits play a huge <laughs> role in the resilience, and. Um, let me see if I can remember all of them, I'm sure I'll find a few of them. I remember the most important driver of stress and anxiety as the opposite to resilience is how you engage with screens, um, namely your computer or your phone in the 60 minutes before you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. What they find is that the melatonin levels, so the hormone that basically puts you to sleep and very deep sleep, mm-hmm. is uh, you know it never reaches the full scale of what it should reach, mm-hmm. and it kicks in way later into the night. If you use a screen and phones are the worst, really, because you're so close to your face. If you use a screen in the 60 minutes before you go to sleep, if you compare it to the control group oh, that uses no screens in that time you can actually see that the melatonin level um, kicks in way earlier and way higher, which puts them to sleep in a more relaxed, more recharging state. And actually in less amount of hours slept, those people would feel more recharged and more sort of energized the next day. And this, I think looking around, you know, looking at my habits, looking at my friend's habits, for example, I am convinced that this is a super powerful driver for all of us to bring down our stress levels and really rethink the way you engage with your phone and there's there's other examples other drivers than the resilience um, studies such as how well you're able to integrate recharging elements in your day-to-day such as sports for example Um, there are things around how do you react in situations where you can feel your emotions or your anger or your stress literally boiling up to a point where you're moving into panic mode. How well are you able to rebound from this? Is it through for example, <laughs> breathing exercises uh, or whatnot? So it's comparatively minor details and minor things that you can learn really it's research on the web, learn. And embed in your day to day without making major changes that will drive your resilience levels up.
0: Very nice. I love that as a very concrete thing to uh, take away. Actually, um, something we can easily do. It's not that it's something like something really complex. But starting to put your phone away or you're turning off your computer in time before you go to bed, I think is a very important part. But also what you mentioned, I think is really important: the habits you're building up, um, which you're not doing consciously, but actually just automatisms, um, can help you become more resilient. Um, yeah. ben, thank you so much uh, for all these questions uh, and answers. Uh, you can, you could give now. I'm really thank excited. It's really helpful uh, for um, future change makers, future leaders um, who want to become entrepreneurs, um, creators, um, shapers of, um, eventually new companies, businesses, but, uh, also of, of just projects or movements. Yeah. Um,
1: that would help.
0: Thank you for being with us. And, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having me, Christian. Talk soon.